Gerhardt's back. The more things change, the more they stay the same. From NJ1015.com, this is the new Jim Gerhardt Podcast. All right, good morning, New Jersey. It's time for the Jim Gerhardt Podcast, and we are practicing our social distancing. It's Bob Williams <laughs> and our full host, Jim Gerhardt. Hey, Jim. Yeah. For those those who might be curious, how many miles are we apart now? Fifty miles. Yeah, this separation. So you, you ever you, you say you got your mask on? Yeah. I, 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 take it off. I, I think I'm okay. I think I'm okay I, for now. I tell you something very interesting. When the uh, probably about a month ago or a few weeks ago, when this mask madness first started, that everybody should wear a mask. You couldn't find a mask. Now they're talking about the billions of them. They're grinding out. But you couldn't find a mask. The uh, triple N, what is it, M95 or whatever it is, mask. The one I got right here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So anyway, uh, we're wondering where, we're gonna, where are we going to get masks? Well, there's no place. Nobody has masks. You know, Amazon's out. Everybody's out of masks. I went in the garage, just messing around, looking for something else. And there was a box up there that I'd totally forgotten about. And it said triple M, uh, MMM, M95 masks. <laughs> and I opened it, and I had a box of two dozen of them. Oh, my gosh. And it was amazing. And that, that's one of the miracles of this. The other miracle, which I will jump into, was the toilet paper. <laughs> Who would have thought? Did you, and, you, had a, you had a bunch on hand? Well, no, normally. No, I didn't. Normally, I do, because I go to Lowe's, and they have these huge bundles of it. But somehow, I may not have bought one until since last summer, and we're just about out. Well, what happened was uh, Nancy went to Lowe's to get dog food. And this was at the height of the toilet paper frenzy. And she just happened to be checking out when a truckload of toilet paper came in. Just happened. And so she comes out of there (laughs) and it was a mad rush for it. But she just happened to be standing right by it when they brought it out. And we got the toilet paper. But the funny thing is, this was a, uh, a Scott brand. I never knew of, but it's a fairly large roll, but nothing extraordinary. It wasn't a, a roll of toilet paper on steroids. But anyway, we got it here. But I will swear, it never seems to run out. And I I have, uh, you know, a big roll of this. I think it's been sitting there for a month or three weeks or so. And it's like, it, I, I don't mean this disrespectful at all. And I know it's a terrible analogy, but it's kind of like the menorah that wouldn't, that ran out of oil. And it kept going. Now, before you think I'm being scatological about this, that certainly is one use of this. <laughs> Most toilet paper, I used to blow my nose. I'm living in a, a house full of animals, which I love, and have sort of a mild uh, allergy thing. So I'm going around half the day sniffling. So, But anyway, the thing is, some amazing things, little small things like that happen. So uh, I've been out once. I, I went to the market. Uh, there was a shop right. Haynesport, and uh, what was it, two days ago, and first time I'd been out uh, for weeks, and they had this so well organized. Yes. Now I understand the governor has talked about uh, markets uh, restricting to half the normal load. Yeah, that, like, doing they've been doing that for a week. And, and it's, lot, it, yeah, a lot of the retail places have done a very, very good job up here. I can speak from experience. I mean, they, they've got uh, workers outside monitoring how many people go into the store at one time and now i mean you gotta you gotta ask the question is that is this more of the governor overreaching and just going beyond what needs to be done to safely protect the public because now 
you're even creating even longer lines. If you have 150 people allowed in the store at one time, now you're down to what, 75? And that's going to increase the wait time outside the store because, you know, like I say, I think some of these stores have done a very good job. I, they have. I shall recuse myself now of anything political. I, I'm so sick of it constantly. The political, pol politization, politicization, whatever the word is, of, of a calamity. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. So I will come out of the closet with my, my, my grip hat, which, of course, has been a, a holy tradition, get rid of incumbent politicians. You know, everybody dumping, uh, you dump on the president, of course, the media and the left. We dump on the governor, everybody, not everybody, but people are dumping on this governor. It's like knee-jerk reaction with anything that's unpleasant. You look around for some political figure at the top and start on him. Uh, I, we got stung, I did anyway, 30 years ago. We got into this same frame with Governor Florio. You remember that, Bob? Yep. Mm -hmm. And it was thinking like, it's almost like the left media now and President Trump. There's nothing he can do right. Anything he says, anything he does, they jump at and criticize. We were doing that to Governor Florio. And looking back, it became a habit. I understand a little bit of, of groupthink from that. And I think if all of us at the radio station who were right out in front, you know, beating the drum, throwing toilet paper at the state house with, with the best of them, uh, and you get carried away so you do not think outside that particular box and it's a small box no matter what happened it was dump florio yeah and i think the reason for it was at that time people had gotten completely sick of politicians and politics and it was not the governor i think that kept us going because the only criticism of governor florio was a tax increase which by today's standards was minuscule it's like three billion dollars mm. but I think people had gotten tired of the system. And I think uh, Jim Florio was, a, was a, a victim of the system because he ended up kind of surrounded by people who were getting very, you know, negative news. And it seemed like everybody in his entourage, except him, was on the take in some form or another. And sometimes it was just so glaring. It was the system. But anyway, get, getting back, I, uh, sometimes when I hear all of this, this dumping, on, on the head political figure, I, I can kind of understand it because we did it without thinking. It was kind of knee-jerk. And then if you didn't do it, if you said anything positive about the governor, then your peers <laughs> would would right. get after you. That's right. You, you remember those days. Yeah, you're, and we were, you're a party. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, so much. Uh, I was, it, it's kind of like the matrix. I'm getting a feeling here. There's a certain surreal quality about this. Here I sit, a stately Gerhardt Manor, fat, dumb, and happy, looking out, and the trees are coming out with leaves. We had beautiful blooms on the weeping pink cherry trees, uh, the magnolias and all, and, and the blossoms have come and gone, and they're leafing out. The uh, forsythia has been out for a while. Everything, the lawn's coming up, everything, and the weather's beautiful. And on the other hand, you you look out the window, this is what you see. And that you turn on any kind of media, everything's gone to hell. Right. And it, it, it depends on who you're looking at. It's like, you know, it's either the glass is half full or the glass is half empty. It's like people are doom and gloom and other people are trying to be hopeful about the future. But it's some people are just like poo-pooing it to the point where, you know, the hell with it all. We're going to be stuck here for months. 
I mean, I, I'm a hopeful person. I hope that, that it's going to end sooner than later, as probably most people do. So, again, it's, it's remember, uh, I was thinking this morning, this is terrible. I'm not suggesting this, but uh, this is just ripe for conspiracy theories. Remember, what is it, Wag the Dog, the movie? Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, who is it? Robert uh, De Niro, I think, was in it. But the point is that the government was up to something. And there was not a real war going on. It was just the media was carrying these things that were filmed, you know, in studios <laughs> and battles. Uh, I, I, the unreality of it sometimes just, just rather hits you. Yeah. And uh, you see these stories and it's what is going on apparently is overwhelming, but we don't see it. You know, except uh, virtually. Right. So. It's kind of hard sometimes to, uh, to 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 remember. Keep in mind just you know what exactly is going on out there. It's uh, I did uh, I get into this in a in a in a while. I know there's other things, but I decided to go to the Center for Disease Control's website and get a uh, a a list of uh, well. I think what I what I googled up was influenza deaths. Uh, the history of it in this country. And what I came up with is utterly amazing that we have had, the, the, the bottom line is that every year, and I picked this up from 2011, 2010-2011 flu season, there were many more deaths from influenza than there have been so far now. And this has been every year since then. So and has raised the question, and I've not heard anybody address this. I hope you have, and I hope somebody has. How much of this, uh, if this is a normal influenza season, I know we have the coronavirus, but there are other influenza strains out there, and there have been. There's no reason to think they've gone away. So what has been the effect of that? Have we had a, uh, what do you call it, the uh, everyday domestic usual influenza yeah, uh, run this year or not? I, I don't know. Well, it certainly so, seems like they've overestimated a lot of the projections, and they're giving credit to the self sequestering and the yeah. social distancing for keeping those numbers down, and all the better. I mean, but but still, you know, you have a valid point. Well, like I say in two thousand uh, two thousand twelve two thousand uh, two thousand thirteen uh, season flu season. 34 million people in New Jersey had reported having the flu. That's 10% that's of the population. And the deaths were are listed as, according to the Center for Disease Control, 2012-2013 in New Jersey, 43,000 deaths from influenza. What are we now with this? Nothing anywhere near that. And that, that was for the country. Um, there's something here that is, uh, well, curious, to say the least. Right. I, mean, well, I think there's a lot of finger pointing now going back to China because did, were they truthful in when the disease was at its inception or the effects of it? You got to look back. So many things that are to be questioned, like that doctor that, that died back in China back in November or December and we never heard anything more about him. And the, another physician over there disappeared, and we haven't heard anything about her whereabouts or her well-being. So there's been a lot of questions that need to be answered, finger pointing. That, you know, that constantly comes up, and that's the political game or part of it that's being played. 
gosh, I, I could go on in depth about this, but I won't. The uh, the press conferences that they held uh, toward the end of the day, when they go through, they have the president, they have the various experts, members of the team, and it comes on and the president gets up. And this to me is the most stressful part of this whole thing, is trying to watch that in spite of this wanting to get up and yell, be quiet and sit down. Let these people talk. But he goes on and on and on. The other day he went for an hour. Yeah, he needs, he needs to uh, shorten it up a little bit and let the doctors talk and let the uh, secretaries or whoever's uh, speaking. Yeah, but day. I'm looking behind him, and, and there is the uh, attorney general one day. He's standing right behind the president. The president's droning on and on, repeating himself, going on, uh, you know, pounding his chest, you know, the obligatory patting himself on the back. He's going on and on with it. And here is what was Barr, the attorney general, and he looks like either he's about to drop. Right. And he's clearly very uncomfortable. Or he wants to raise his hand and say, Mr. President, I have to go potty. I have a uh, emergency, Mr. President. <laughs> I want to see him back there, somebody just doing the Charleston because they can't hold it. <laughs> the chorus line will break out. But the other, the thing that's most maddening is this so-called press corps sitting out there. Remember the day a lady named Helen Thomas was the, uh, I think, the AP. She was the dean. The grand madame of the press corps. Back yeah, and you'd, you'd see this, uh, go back you go back to Reagan or just as, up, as recently as the Bushes and, and even Obama. And she would get the first question. The journalists were mature people, and they were generally very intelligent people, experienced people, and they had a historic knowledge to use as a background for their conversations with the president. Now you don't have that. This looks like a bunch of, of just recently post-pubescent twits just who are something yeah. set in there to try to poke sticks into the president's cage. And it, it gets to be utterly absurd. And the old thing, uh, what, what did you know when? I would like to make a statement. And I, to me, I don't care a rat's patootie who said what when. I'm only interested in information that helps me protect my patootie. And I'd like them to get on with the information, the, the, the asinine, spiteful nitpicking by this immature gaggle is ridiculous. And this is not designed to elicit useful information because most of these questions have absolutely nothing to do with anything useful. Uh, they're, they're beating, well, I had, I read this, I saw this, you know, uh, Mr. President, uh, in effect, they're saying, how much money are you making on this, pushing this drug? You must have interest in it. And one yesterday was said, well, you sent so many ventilators to this state. You didn't send only 100 to Colorado. Uh, is this because they have more political connection with the president? Who cares? Sit, I, keep that somewhere else. Uh, it, it, but it, it, it shows what's going on with the media. Now, and the president encourages it by having question and answer period. For what purpose? Nobody's asking anything relevant. You've got the greatest experts in the industry standing up there behind you. Let them tell us what's going on. I think and, I, he, he, he could, but, you know, yeah. I'm not interested in who's in something when they, they could get that in within 30 or 45 minutes and everybody could be on with their day and, you know, with the updates and then everybody can go to dinner. Uh, but it's like instead they're making it into an odyssey for like two hours or something. And like you said, you know, it's a it's a it's a game of gotcha. The the reporters are trying to get the president, yeah. and exactly. the president is got his uh, he's got his back up, and he's ready to say gotcha back. And it's just 
you know, it's you know, it's it's a game of cat and mouse up there. It's it's really just not pro productive. I mean, they've really yeah, it's done. And the vice president, who's behaving nobly, yes, it is interesting. Um, Governor Cuomo, I, I could sit there and watch, and get very much absorbed in. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure probably there are other people too, but th those are the two heads of government that appear most most frequently. Now, now, do you do you see a difference between the approaches of Governor Cuomo and our own Governor Murphy in their press briefings and how they're addressing the uh, the crisis? Truth, truth be told, I have not seen a Murphy press briefing, and I assume I'm giving the man credit for doing what he perceives to be best in the interest of the people. And uh, again, I part of it is I just resent and resist and feel so guilty <laughs> for having participated in one of these knee-jerk attacks on, on the governor or the president. I mean, it's, got, it's just gotten too doggone far. And as far as and the stupid questions they ask and they want to ask or people do or, or the, the media, when is this going to be over? Nobody knows. Right. God knows, you know, if you want. <laughs> but well, short time, nobody does. I think all of these press briefings in general just need to be shortened up. I mean, it's established that we're in this and we're in this for the long run. Just give us the updates every day. You know, I mean, and just try to keep your comments to a minimum because people want to go on with their lives. They just can't be consumed with this. We know it's there. We know it's the new norm. We're stuck in this. We're stuck being quarantined. Why does it need to be drummed into our heads every day for an hour, hour and a half? And most All of right. these things are running at least an hour. Well, now here, here is the problem. You know the old saying that an idle, idle hands are the devil's workshop. Well, media now is the devil's workshop. And this is not because these people are little uh, with Beelzebub's or Mephistopheles running around, the evil people. It's because they have to fill 24 hours a day with this one subject. Now, no matter what it is, you're going to run out of news. And so they have to fill the time. So they just constantly, constantly harp on this 24 hours a day. And consequently, they are beating dead issues. They're bringing up things that are irrelevant. And... It just leads to confusion, at least on my part, watching it. Yeah. But again, think if you had to spend 24 hours a day <laughs> on this subject. Now, we could spend 20 minutes, <laughs> and, 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 and there's more to come if you want. But suppose you had to do it for 24 hours, uh, and nothing's happening. Right. So you are up. And just you, yeah, you but any straw to hang on just to keep it going for a few more minutes. They, the guests, oh, I, I saw for the first time, we've talked about this for three weeks, and I've talked about it and people have for years, the, the relationship of nutrition, essentially, and the health of the body, your natural defenses, your, your antibodies, the health of them is the biggest defense you have against this. And I finally saw two doctors, two learned physicians, saying the same thing as with big eyes, as though this is an enormous discovery, that the people who are worst afflicted by this seem to be people whose uh, bodies are rather severely compromised with one thing or another. Mostly, it turns out to be diabetes, uh, the results of obesity, or other things, are, are currently uh, what uh, COPD, pulmonary type 
type difficulties. And so many people have it. Look at the very high percentage of people in this country with diabetes, which has been not 100%, but certainly to a large extent related to obesity and the American diet, because we're actually eating a diet that is pretty well poisoned for us, not on purpose, but you have to do this because of our food distribution system. Things have to last forever by the time they get shipped. You're not just running down the street to the farmer and plucking fresh rutabagas out of his garden. Uh, these, these have come up from Chile or someplace, and they've been sitting around in a boxcar for months, probably, that you get. And it's not helping, but it's something to think about. And to me, it's one of the things, the great hopeful things that come out of this, other than the, the legendary reset in our attitudes in our, that I talk about, is that people will say, recognize the fact that the best defense you have against this is already in you. You have it. But we're compromising it constantly by what we put into the body. The body, the defense system is spending full time getting rid of the crap we're putting in it. Yeah. yeah. And then something like this comes along. So uh, how it comes out, I do not know. I know. I, and, and again, I hope this is not true. But this uh, this politics of, of the separation of different groups. What is it? The identity politics, they're calling it. And you're getting into that. The Chinese are playing it like Heifetz played the violin, you know, sort of uh, uh, weakening our, our resolve. Uh, but now one of the big things that's come up, and I never thought of this, is the fact they say the African-American uh, community is being harder hit. Now, it, and the reason that's given by the experts, not by the president, and I'm sure there'll be people uh, you know, res being resentful of this, that said that generally speaking, their health is more frequently, percentage-wise, uh, related to the, the population, more compromised because of the lack of the availability of some nutritious food. You go into one of your large uh, you know, areas, you can't find a greengrocer. I talk about the rutabaga getting there in a boxcar a month late. It never gets to some of these communities, so you're left with, with junk food, which is one of the worst things you can put in your body. So, but I was thinking, and again, rather sardonically, I think, that now that, if that's a fact, and I don't doubt that the doctors who are saying that are correct, and this is something you're going to have to deal with and work on, but the ultimate work on that is to restore, bring the health level up through making available somehow the type of foods that feed the resistance system in you. Ignore it and, and live on, uh, you know, junk burgers. So what I was thinking, P.J. O'Rourke, the, uh, the writer, had written one time, and this was supposed to be the big headline of the paper, the day before the asteroid hit or whatever it was. The day before, the headline says, world ends tomorrow, poor and minorities hardest hit. Uh, but he was pointing out at that time the, the unfortunate, tragic separation of us from one or another based on uh, ethnic or uh, ideological lines, which is pretty much tearing us apart. And again, you talk about conspiracy theories. Uh, the Chinese obviously have ambitions to become the, uh, the tall hog of the trough. Right. Uh, sit in the, cat, the political catbird seat in the world of economics and politics. And boy, are they playing this one. So you could make a point is that if uh, they do not deserve a finger of blame wagged at them, the fickle finger of fate or, you know, whatever it is, uh, 
then at least they are jumping on it, the party, not the people, but the party is jumping on this to certainly do damage to us. Because look at the economy. Uh, this is frightening when, when you think about the ramifications of this. So I don't have an answer, but uh, there's nothing like it. I, I made a note here, and, and I was just thinking that uh, someday, I think of this, we'll all be sitting around telling our grandchildren about the great coronavirus of 2020 and how we brave the dangers and the privations and how brave we were <laughs> and how we licked this. And they'll look at us like we look at those talking about the privations from the years before the Great Depression and say, and they'll yawn and they'll say, man, and old geezer's at it again. Tell him to go sit down <laughs> and, and, and sit there and tell lies with his with his peers. Hey, so, uh, before we wrap, I just want to uh, say congratulations to a Boy Scout from North Jersey. I don't know what troop, Alex Saldana, and he is a bugler for his troop. And he took it upon himself to go visit that veterans' home where several veterans passed away from the virus this week. What a great thing for for a thirteen year old to do. That is just so you know. What a wonderful thing, yeah. Alex. A lot of that you pick up across the country going on. Uh, hang on a second. Nan, okay, bring, uh, bring Manfred up. Can I bring, bring Manfred up to say hello? Sure. Come on. Come on. I think we've got to. We'll stretch his time here a second. All right. Yeah. And uh, so while we're waiting for Manfred tonight at 7 o'clock, Eric Scott's back on the air with a coronavirus uh, special town hall. This week they're going to talk about the economic impacts of the virus and the self-quarantine. I'll have a panel of experts tonight live on New Jersey 101.5 on the app and on the Facebook page and 7 o'clock tonight with Eric and his panel of experts. Is Is it is. Well, bring Gibson. We got, we got a bunch of them. Oh, we got the whole <laughs> coming. Okay. Yeah, here. Bring him up. <laughs> Manfred's getting camera shot. Yeah. Man, man. You'll notice here he is. Here he is. Come here, Manfred. Come here. Come here, babe. Here. Um, yes, yes, hey, man. Look, look at the mighty wonder dog here. It's my boy. Yes, he's my boy. Come here, Nan. You too. Okay, here, Manfred. One more time. One more shot. Yeah, you can. Such a sweet guy. Yep. Hi, Manfred. Oh, Isn't he so oh. smile, Manfred? Smile. There he goes. How old Shark he smile. Manfred does shark smiles. There he goes. Uh, okay. <laughs> Is he, about a year and a half, is he about a year and a half old? How old is he? He's uh, approaching two years old. He's a little over 100 pounds now. Okay. And uh, he's got a brother who's bigger than he is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, now he's got your life. Uh, yeah, he's, he's, now, he wants to be a, now he wants to be part of the show. So Yeah, right. yeah. He's a ham. So we'll be back next week, everybody, 1030 on Thursdays. It's our Facebook Live podcast. You can catch the podcast uh uh, read, you get on demand right here at nj1015.com and on our Facebook page. Jim, have a great week. Hug down, relax, and uh, de-stress yourself. The biggest thing you can do, try to. <laughs>